Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to have us with you, have you with us today. Um, and if this is your first time visiting, you've caught us on a great week. We are just starting a new series. So we finished up our series on Hebrews chapter 11, talking about the hall of faith and looking at all kinds of examples that have chosen to allow their life to be modeled after God and to follow him even through all kinds of circumstances. But I have the privilege this morning of getting to introduce a series to you that we do every time about this year as we get ready to start into uh, school time. And that is, what is our aim? You see, it's important for us as a body to be reminded about what is the core values, what are the core ideas that we are constantly focusing on. Um, And so we have together agreed upon a vision statement for this church, which is, as the body of Christ, our aim, this is what we are aiming at, is to make disciples who love and live like Jesus. Now, we had an individual that saw that statement and immediately dismissed it, saying, absolutely no Christian could do that all the time. So why would, you, why would anybody on earth write that into an aim or a vision statement? And we want to make clear, we're not saying that we hit this 100% of the time. But if you've been around me much, you'll hear this statement, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So as a church family, we want to know what are we shooting for? Because this statement guides every decision that we make as a church. It guides our prayer requests that we talk about at the beginning of the year. It drives what programs that we, we pursue and what kind of ministry that we, we bring about in this church to help people grow in their faith all keeps coming back to this idea and this vision statement. Because if it doesn't fit here and it can't help us achieve this objective then we're not going to spend the time on that as a church family. So this is very critical for us in keeping our aim and, and where we are directed as a church. So our, as the body of Christ, our aim is to make disciples who love and live like Jesus. Now, we're not going to cover all of this today. We're going to be spending about the next seven weeks talking about the implications of this vision statement. What exactly does that mean? How do we explain that to people It's a very short statement, um, but there's a lot of different components to that that we we want to be able to flesh out together with you and talk about what foundation are we as a church uh, running toward. So this is our aim. So the starting point for our vision this morning starts with how do we define the church? Now, maybe you think this is silliness. Today I came to church. Obviously we're gathered together today as a church. And if you grew up in the church as a child, you probably know this little illustration, right? Here's the church. Here's the steeple, right? Open it up and see all the people. Now, how does this help us as a church to define what the church really is? Is it more the physical component? That's often what we talk about the church. It's the building, it's the place we gather, but is that really the aim of how we define church? So we start off, our aim is as the body of Christ. 
because we want to recognize what church really is all about. So when Jesus came to earth, he defined what it meant to be identified with the church. This is found in Matthew chapter 16, and it starts, and this is Jesus talking and interacting with the disciples. And he first starts by saying, who do people say that I am? But then he turns to the disciples and says this, starting in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 16. He, Jesus, said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Do you see, the church is not something that was made up by the New Testament authors. The church was talked about here by Jesus Christ himself, because when he came, he was establishing a new covenant. Things would be different after Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross. And unfortunately, the Catholic Church has taken this and assumed that the rock they're talking about here is Peter himself, which is where they get the whole line of secession of the Pope. But it's not on Peter himself that the church will be founded, but it's on his statement that was, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the statement that this church is founded on. That is the new identity of the church that Jesus himself declared. But I want you to notice this. Because he says, on this rock I will build whose church? What does it say? My church. Now, have you ever got caught in this? Of, Well, you know, at my church we do things this way. Or we work with a lot of pastors. And pastors will say, well, at my church... We get, again, this is such maybe a technical thing when it comes to the church because we throw this term around so freely at times. But it's only one person's church. And that's the church of Jesus Christ. He is the head of this church. But here's our challenge. Maybe a little bit of a problem. We, individually, live in a world that encourages us to focus on ourselves more than we focus on God. Okay? What do you want out of your life? What do you, how do you want to live your life? We are encouraged, sometimes very subtly, but what is it that you want? So let me give you an example that came up this week as I was preparing for this. How many of you have gone on a cruise? Okay, quite a few of you. Um, Carnival Cruises have an incredible marketing campaign that drives this idea home really well. And so I want you to look at, I'm going to actually play an ad for Carnival Cruise Lines. We don't get any paid promotion for this. <laughs> but I want you to see, <laughs> I mean, if they want to give some free cruises, no. Um, but I want you to see what are they appealing to in this ad. We at Carnival believe fun is a choice, but it isn't always an easy one. We get it, you've got stuff going on. Work stuff, life stuff, stressy stuff. Fortunately, we created an escape from all that stuff 
45 years ago, a man set out with a secondhand ship and a belief. Cruising should be accessible to everyone because we all need more fun. A belief passed down from father to son, ship to ship. That's why fun is in our DNA, our very makeup, tirelessly tested again and again, day and night. Fun isn't always a nice to have, it's a necessity. It makes you a better person, a better parent, a better friend. It helps you live your best life. So, carpe that diem. Sure, you might look a little silly doing it, but holy sea cow, doesn't it feel so freeing? This is how lives were meant to be lived. And look, we know fun's relative. His fun is different from her fun, is different from theirs, it's different from yours. Maybe your fun is flying down a giant water slide, or racing through the sky, or simply taking a moment to let out a deep Nice, right? But here's the thing. Fun doesn't just happen. You have to want it. You have to opt in. You've got to grab fun when it floats your way. After 45 years and 80 million guests, we still believe one thing. Fun is a choice. We're here to make it an easy one. So let's do this. Carnival. Choose fun. All right, choose fun. That's their whole slogan. If you go online and you look at the, you pull up Carnival's videos and that kind of stuff, there's over 50 YouTube videos all with the same tagline and slogan. Now, this is a huge company that spends a lot of money in marketing. And they're going to make sure that they know exactly how to appeal to an individual in a way that gets them to act. But think about what the slogan is communicating. There is nothing wrong with having fun. But what they recognize is your fun is different than his fun, which is different than her fun, which is different than their fun, but it's okay. You see, we've solved all of it for you. We can give you a personalized fun experience no matter what differences that you have in your family. You see, we will personalize this experience exactly to tailor what you enjoy. Hey, we live in the U.S. We love choices. All of that appeals to our basic nature that says, I have preferences and I have things that I enjoy to do. Just let me do them. Because if I do that, see, I can be a better parent. I can have a fulfilled life. But they are playing to our very carnal, natural desires. What if we take this same attitude and we just insert the church? See, what kind of music does it have? What kind of programs does it offer? What's the preaching like? What's Sunday school like? Unfortunately, we can take this attitude and just slide it right into the church. And say, if I find a church that can meet all of my preferences, or at least half my family may enjoy then I would think about going to that church. But is that what we are talking about when we are seeking to define the church? So this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go into Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at a lot of different verses in Ephesians. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll be there uh, for the rest of our time. But let's pray, and we will jump into this. Father, we thank you for this morning to be able to gather together as a body of believers. 
Father, we recognize there are things that are going on in this world, and especially our hearts go out to Afghanistan and all that is going on for the Christians that are standing for their faith. Father, give them the strength to stand for you. Lord, this morning as we study and seek to understand and identify more of what you mean by your church, Father, I pray that you will bring clarity to our own understanding of what the church really is. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Ephesians chapter 1, there's this phrase about the church. Frank, you may have to help me. In Ephesians chapter 1, there's this phrase about the church, and I want you to see how many churches this would fit their definition. That this would just, it would radiate everything that they're about. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, Paul says, And he, God the Father, put all things under his feet, talking about Jesus Christ. And he gave him, Christ, to be head over all things to the church, the called out ones, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Have you been a part of a church that that would be the definition? It's the fullness of Christ. Unfortunately, we live in a world with a lot of fallen people. And there are a lot of things that can derail a church to focus on things that don't help it to become the fullness of Christ. Unfortunately, I know people, and maybe you have known people, that have been very hurt by the image of Christ that a church has portrayed. In fact, they've come to a point where it's just, what's the point? If that's what Christ is, I don't want any part of that. Maybe you've been a part of a business meeting where the enemies seem, the enemy seemed like it was more two individual members fighting against each other than actually pointed to our real enemy, Satan, who is constantly seeking to destroy anything that is good in the church. That is a travesty on all accounts. But what would it take to achieve this purpose of the church? Being the fullness of Christ to the world around us. That is our goal today, as we will look at three different components that will help us to understand what Jesus was talking about when he called the church. Frank, this is still not working. The church, the body of Christ, that's how we start. And the first component that we're going to look at is that there is one position to be in for you to be a part of the body of Christ. So we have this idea that starts in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. This is the position that we're talking about. Paul says, in him or in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, when we talk about the church, we have to recognize the church is individuals. And in order to be a part of God's called out ones, you have to be in Christ. You have to be in that position. And it only comes through redemption through his shed blood, the sacrifice that he already did on the cross. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And that is not of yourselves. There is not one dimension that you have to earn this position. It is a gift of God, not, by, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, this position is a free gift. You don't have to explain that to a child when you give them a Christmas present. They're ready to tear it open. But unfortunately, sometimes this idea of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ gets twisted a little bit. And it's kind of like, I'll give you a present if. I'll give you this present if you promise to live your life really well. I'll give you this present if you change. Fill in the blank. All these different things that we talk about. But that's not what the gift is. It is freely given with absolutely no strings attached. But this was a very new concept. So I want you to see in chapter 3 how Paul talks about this. This is a new concept for the New Testament believers. Paul says that he, um, he says, How that by revelation Christ made known to me the mystery. So Paul is saying there was a mystery that had not been revealed but after Christ, it was revealed specifically to him. And that was his goal is to go and to spread and to share with people what are the mystery. And it says in verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is the mystery, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same one body, and partakers of his promise in Christ through the good news, through the gospel. You see, we don't think about it in these kinds of terms. We're kind of separated from all of the Old Testament saints that we talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. But remember, in order to be a part of God's people at that time, you had to convert to be a, a Jew. And so... The children of Israel had this idea that we are God's special chosen people. And he will always keep us separate from everyone else. When we get to the New Testament and this idea of the church, this mystery that was revealed was Jesus saying, no, this blessing and this promise is not just for the children of Israel. In fact, it is for everyone. Everyone now can be partakers of this promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So when we talk about the body of Christ, if you want to be a part of that body of Christ, you first have to be in one position, and that's in Christ. Now that gift is very simple. The gospel message is that you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that you trust in that and that alone for your salvation. Remember, not of works. It is simply accepting by faith what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross. You get to be a part of the body of Christ. The gospel is very simple. We want to make sure that we are very clear on what it takes to be a part of God's family. And if you ever have questions, any of the elders would love to talk more about that with you. But the good news of salvation is very simple. Putting your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the only way that you can have the one position that is needed to be a part of the body of Christ and his family. But not only do we have to know who we belong to, but we must know why does it exist. 
So the church, the body of Christ, has one position for every member that's a part of that body, and we have one purpose together. I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 9, it says this. The church exists to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Again, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Why? To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be, be, may be made known by the church. By the individuals that are a part of the body of Christ. Notice who it's to. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now, we often think about the physical people that we interact with each and every day. But Paul says this purpose is even greater than that. It is the opportunity to show off Christ to everyone that we are around, but it is also to demonstrate this incredible mystery to the invisible beings, to all of the angels, both the good ones as well as the ones who rebelled against God, that they would see this incredible mystery that had been hidden according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. We have access to God the Father, the God of the universe, because of his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that access that we have, remember Jesus tells the disciples on the night of his arrest, it is better that I go away. They couldn't imagine a world without Jesus. They had followed him around and done all kinds of things with him for three years. They couldn't imagine Jesus just being up and gone. But he says, guys, it's better. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. The Holy Spirit that will come and live and indwell each and every believer in Jesus Christ. Because it is through that Spirit that we are able to manifest or to show off Christ to everyone that we're around. So just as salvation is not contingent upon your works, being able to show off Christ is not about you making it happen. It's simply allowing the Holy Spirit to live within you and to show off Christ in your life in all kinds of different ways and situations. You see, this purpose is a stronger uniting force than anything in the world. We met this week as elders and we were talking that it's really fun when you look at our elder board because from an administrative perspective, um, you probably wouldn't pick the five guys of us that are on the elder board. And it's not that we're just elders together because we have all hobbies and everything in common that just click. And so we can get along really well and all of our personalities just mesh. But it is that we are united on this purpose of showing off Christ to the world. And that is stronger than any other hobby that we have. It wades through any other preference that one of us as elders have. You see, this church isn't set up because we got around and we took votes and said, okay, now what kind of worship music do you guys like? Okay, three out of five, we're going this direction. Um, let's see, do we have one guy speak every week or do we try to rotate that? Let's go, we're going to have a vote on that. 
we have tried to help everything be funneled through this grid of what does it look like for the body of Christ to come together and be committed to one purpose that is showing off the fullness of Christ. That we could be a church that God would look at and say, I know they're aiming at this. That the fullness of Christ would be displayed in that body of believers together. Because this is not an individual endeavor. This is not just, well, if Rance, our pastor, if, if he's doing it, mission accomplished. We're done. Everybody else can just check out. Our aim starts with as the body of Christ. This is a purpose together, not just individually or the leaders. Our goal is to grow up everyone into Christ because he is the head of the church. It's not our preferences that dictate that. It's what is Jesus' preference in here? Some things are very clear in Scripture. These are the principles that Jesus has laid out. These are the things that we follow. For other things, then we, we see, okay, we're looking for godly wisdom. If there's not a clear command in Scripture, what is the godly principle to be able to operate by that we can show off the fullness of Christ? It's not just a preference thing. But in order to have a healthy church who is the fullness of Christ, everyone will need to play a part. I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, that's all the believers together, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. This is not just the elders. This is not just the deacons. This is not just the Sunday school teachers. Every individual believer who is a part of this body of Christ is an important and an integral part if we are to experience the fullness of Christ together corporately. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Notice the implication of that. It causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Our prayer is that as a body, we are growing together in this purpose. But then Paul jumps into this and he makes this really practical. How does this work? So in the church, the body of Christ, we've talked about there's one position in Christ. We've talked about that there's one purpose, which is to show off the fullness of Christ. But lastly, there's one personal pursuit. And just like Carnival Cruises can't force you to have fun, you get to choose that. You get to choose whether or not that this is your personal pursuit as well in order for the body of Christ to grow whole. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. That is his encouragement to every believer in the body. Be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ has loved us. We've been given the model, the life of Christ, and he has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Be his imitator. 
that's the personal pursuit that each one of us gets to choose whether or not that's going to be a part of my life. Now, if you need some help in fleshing that out a little bit more, Paul's going to give it to us. In Ephesians 5, he's going to start talking about all these different examples and ways that it looks like to imitate God as dear children. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands. Maybe that's a dirty word in your mind for political reasons, but this is what the scripture teaches. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to who? Not because your husband is so fantastic. Not because he always makes every decision perfectly. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Why? Because this is how God created it. The husband is the head of the wife. And if you feel really bad about that and say that's not fair, then feel free to feel the exact same way about the next statement. As Christ is head of the church, you are not head of the church. So in the same way he gets to call the shots for what he has created, God said, fellas, if you need to know how to lead and to be the head of your home, then you look at the model of Christ and the church. Which is fascinating because if a husband is not submitting to the authority of God the Father and tries to lead his home, it is disastrous. Guys, Leading your home or being the head of your home is not a green card that you just get to do whatever you want to. That will produce chaos. The same thing is true of the church. If the elders say, we are elected, we get to do whatever we want to do, and you guys can just live with it, it's not going to go well. Christ is the head of the church. So, wives, if you have a husband that is not leading you spiritually and you think, I don't know how this should look, our greatest prayer and hope is that you could look at this body of Christ and say, I know that our church submits to Christ in all things. If you don't have a model at home, hopefully that is a model that you have here. He gets to dictate what goes on here. We want to be in tune with him And we want to keep ourselves out of the way. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now he deals with husbands in Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives. Where is your example? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word he might present to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that the church should be holy and without blemish. Wives, husbands, how do you love your wives? You see, be imitators of God as dear children. If the church is submitting to the headship of Jesus Christ and the husband is submitting to the headship of Jesus Christ, there shouldn't be a lot of tension for a wife to be able to submit to her husband. But when that authority part gets out of the way and gets out of whack and people start saying, you know what, I'd rather just do it my way, then it brings all kinds of chaos into every single relationship. 
Paul goes on. We're not going to look at all these, but in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, if you have your Bibles, he's going to give the, the warning to the children. Children, obey your parents, not because they're perfect, not because they always make the right decision, as unto the Lord. The warning in verse 4 of chapter 6 is to fathers. Fathers, don't provoke your children. That's not imitating God the Father. But bring them up under the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He is our model. So there's the family dynamics. In chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, we have in the workforce, he talks about bond slaves. How do you relate to those that are in authority over you? He knew that some of those masters were very cruel to their bond slaves. But he says, obey those in authority over you. And here's the little phrase, as to Christ. But then he has a warning for those that have authority. So if you have authority in your job, he says, be careful because recognize, use your authority wisely. You have a master in heaven. He shows no partiality. So if you're going to misuse your authority, guess what? You will answer for that as well. And that won't be fun. Imitate God as dear children. So as we talk about the church, the body of Christ, we have one position if you want to be a part of this body, and that is through Jesus Christ. That your position is in him and in him alone. We have one purpose, and that's to show off or to manifest the fullness of Christ to the world around us as well as to the invisible realm. But the only way that we can achieve this fullness is if everyone chooses to make this their one personal pursuit. Lord, let me imitate God as dear children. Let me submit my life under the authority of Jesus Christ so that every relationship that I have, my marriage, my parenting, my my job, the authority that I've been given in my job, that all of that flows under the authority and the headship of Jesus Christ. That is his greatest desire. Because when we are doing that in all facets of our lives, now you have the fullness of Christ being manifest to the world. And everyone plays a part in that. So for all of you that love cruises, And all the personal fun that you can experience, enjoy. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's not bring that mentality to the church. That's not where we are aiming at as a body of believers. May we be a church that is committed to being a healthy church under the headship of Jesus Christ. So that the fullness of Christ who fills everything and in every way will help us through this endeavor, that we would be in one position in Christ, that we would have one purpose to show him off, and that we would together have one personal pursuit. And this is the amazing thing about the body, is that we get to come together and encourage one another in that endeavor. This is not an easy pursuit. And there's going to be ups, and there's going to be downs, and I promise you we will not do it perfectly. But whatever decisions that you've made, wherever you have come from, whether positive or negative, 
May we be a body that personally pursues showing off the fullness of Christ. I have one last quote that I want to show you that has made a significant impact in my life ever since I was in high school. And it's by David, David Livingston, who was a missionary to Africa. And this is the quote, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, but only sustain me. Sever any tie, but save the tie that binds me to thy service and to thy heart. My Jesus, my King, my life, my all, I again consecrate my life to thee. No matter what has happened in your life, no matter what the decisions that you have made, today you can make this your personal pursuit. When he says, I again consecrate my life to thee, it's simply stating, Lord, again, today I rededicate my life to you. That I want this to be the driving force of everything that I do. So if you're on that path, and that is your personal pursuit, we rejoice with you and want to come along and help you in that pursuit. If that has not been true of your life in the past, do not let that hold you back from joining in on this one pursuit so that we as a body can show off the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the instructions that you have given us. Father, and it is so easy for us to, to get involved and to mess it up when we start focusing on ourselves and our own preferences and our personal ideas. Father, may we be a church that is committed to this personal pursuit together, that we would be able to show you off the fullness of Christ to everyone that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.